we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for July 26th, 2009. And we're going to read that letter I just talked about in the last one I got from my listeners. This is on the vaccination, forced vaccination, avian swine flu, upcoming possible martial law scenarios. Uh, again, they start out by saying, Scott, we're in trouble. Read the response of North Carolina State Representative to a letter we emailed him. The letter, and I'm just going to kind of skip through the letter. <clears throat> Representative Ray Rapp. What a name. Sounds like some kind of, you know, one of those rap artists, Ray Rapp. Anyway, uh, he's from North Carolina. Dear legislator, I am writing you, I believe this is a form letter. Remember how I said we could sign that petition? That petition. I, I, this might be that letter um, because it's through National Natural Health Solutions. I'm writing you on a matter of grave personal concern at the suggestion of the Natural Solutions Foundation, a not-for-profit humanitarian uh, organization devoted to health and human freedom, to educate decision-makers and to petition for respect of our basic human rights. The letter is regarding the proposed Protecting Americans Self-Shielding Bill. When the people of this district elected you, we anticipated that true to your election words, you would protect our well-being and our rights. The proposed enforcement of mandatory treatment, including mandatory vaccines for alleged pandemic conditions, is both a violation of that commitment and a violation of my rights to control my body and make my own health choices. I quote here from the first of the Nuremberg Code ethics developed following the inhumane Nazi human experimentation during World War II. Those who were just carrying out orders, quote, carrying out orders, were charged with war crimes. Okay, now this is the Nuremberg Code that uh, I have read. This is something you could cite if they tried to force vaccinate you, but I've also read that they're not going to pay attention to the Nuremberg Code anymore. And the Nuremberg Code, um, this is from... Um, Reprinted from the Trials of the War Criminals before the Nuremberg Military Tribunals, uh, number 10, volume 2, pages 181 to 182. This is uh, 1949. The, it reads, the voluntary consent of the human subject, and I'm just giving you a part of it, but the main part, the voluntary consent of a human subject is absolutely essential. Now, think of this if they were going to force vaccinate you. The voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. That right there alone would say, okay, I don't want vaccinated. They should back off. But they're not going to do that, unfortunately. This means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent. Should so be situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element, force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, and or other ulterior motive of constraint or coercion and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision. Both state and federal legislation now provides for the mandatory vaccination, drugging, and or incarceration for those who refuse such treatment. Now, I'm not quoting from the Nuremberg Code anymore. I'm back to this letter uh, that they wrote the congressman or representative the hype and hysteria of the media and the distortion of science of infection and contagion by governmental and international bodies, coupled with the pharmaceutical industry's headlong rush to force yet more profitable vaccines, which are untested, uninsurable, and dangerous, and from drugs which are known to be both ineffective and unsafe, leads me to write to you to urge you to push back this potentially deadly tide of political pandemic response. And then she goes on to state some of the... the um, 
high-level physicians that are openly against this. And um, she brings up a good point here, or this letter does. Uh, Please note that that technically, whenever the skin is pierced, it is considered surgery. And surgery cannot be performed on a human without his or her consent. It is a clear violation of the constitutional provisions both against slavery and indentured servitude since a free and unindentured and enslaved person may make his or her own health choices while an indentured servant or slave body is owned by the master who will make health decisions about the body of the slave which may be enforced on a compulsory basis. Now, I know there's going to be people saying we are slaves. And listen, I'm not going to argue about that. I understand the whole thing about the Social Security number and the fact that our company's been in our country's been in bankruptcy since I think like 1933. And these are whole other issues I haven't even got into. I have studied them. But at this point, a lot of that is not going to do us a whole lot of good because I think that no matter what stance you're taking, whether you're a sovereign or whether you're totally in the system or whatever, I don't think that's going to make a whole lot of difference to them. I think they're going to come and try to implement what their agenda is, no matter what your status is. Okay, and again, you're going to have to totally rely on the Lord Jesus Christ in this matter. Now, what was the good representative's response to this, to this letter? And I just read you part of it. This is from Representative Ray Rapp. It should be Ray Rat. Uh, dear Mrs., um, I don't want to give her name, but she says, uh, he says, thank you for forwarding the national... Natural Solutions Foundation generation, generated email. <laughs> so in other words, he's being he's being totally sarcastic right off the bat, okay? Or, or, or their form letters being totally sarcastic. And then he goes on to say, there's always a delicate balance between individual rights and the public health and safety. But when I err, it is on the side of the general public good. Oh, thank you, Mr. Devil Boy. Thank you so much for, for that wonderful... I mean, I, I hopefully we've shown you today that this draconian forced vaccination, genocide, all these poisons, they, hopefully we're showing you and have made it abundantly clear this is, has nothing to do with the general good of anybody but the pockets of the Illuminati and the drug companies and their ability to create mass genocide on a global scale. That's the good they're wanting to bring about. And he's part of that system. So he's going to... See, this is, this is why this is such a brilliant way to pull this off. And the Satan's, Satan's good at what he does. Um, by using a public health crisis, they can get away and they can come away because they control the media to a certain extent smelling like a rose. We did this for your own good. We tried. We're sorry we had 2 billion deaths worldwide or whatever the body count's going to end up being. But, and again, the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne. This may not go down, or, but I believe at some point it may. It, it's just been put off for so long. And we are so deserving of judgment, particularly in America, uh, as a whole. Okay, So he's going to err on the side of general public good. My constitutional responsibilities as an elected official is to protect the public health and safety of our citizens. What a load of total garbage lies straight from the pit of hell. Many th- So in other words, your rights mean nothing. And again, this is the exact same thing when you listen to that lawyer on that re- recorded uh, conversation, and I gave you the links to that. When you listen to that lawyer, he's the exact same. It's all about protecting the general public good. 
This should get you mad. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Well, we need to be in righteous, fervent prayer about this. Here's another article, uh, another email I received from, um, I'll just say it's somebody I know. He says, hi doc, as part of my job managing, I'm not going to say what he manages, I'm just going to say hospital service, I attend and participate in local and state health related meetings. I've attached two memos I received via email. It's critical that this source, me, remains confidential. The the state and local governments are in planning processes. Now, this is in Florida. I will say that much. The state and local governments are in a planning process of establishing vaccination pods, utilizing state and local providers, including fire rescue agencies. Some of the planning includes busing citizens to vaccination centers. They'll come and pick you up on the bus. And established, probably with bars on them, and establishing drive-through locations, drive up and stick your arm out. So I, the one memo I just skimmed over, the next memo I'm going to read you some of that one. And again, at the top of this memo, we have the Florida Department of Health with, um, on the left side it says Charlie Chris Governor, and on the right side it says Anna M. Vimonti, State Surgeon General. They're the ones that have endorsed this memorandum from June 29th. This is to County Health Department Administrators and Directors, DOH Division Directors, Travel, and it's action required. This is the travel justification for the 2009 H1N1 mass vaccination workshop. This is, this is official. I ain't making this stuff up. I'm not going to post this on the internet, on the PDF file, but I'm, I'm, I'm reading it. As part of the state initiative to prepare for the likely implementation of an H1N1 mass vaccination campaign, the department's Offices of Public Health Preparedness and Emergency Operations are sponsoring a 2009 mass vaccination workshop. What a nice ring. On July 27th and 28th in Kissimmee, which I guess that starts tomorrow. Kissimmee's right, was it right below Orlando or right above it? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, the target audience for the workshop includes county department leadership county health department leadership, and designated planning leads for county-level mass vaccination operations. Now, do you notice how they keep using this mass vaccination theme over and over and over? And again, we've never really had this on this kind of scale that they're preparing for. Never. I mean, the Gillian Barr thing, you know, the swine flu, I don't think it was on near this level. Due to the current level of concern surrounding the H1N1 virus and the importance of a well-organized, coordinated response to curtail the pandemic, I am encouraging travel approval for this workshop for key personnel involved in the deployment of a mass vaccination effort. It is an essential part of the department's preparedness plan and is considered a mission-critical activity under the purview of Chapter 252.34 Emergency Management. Please make every effort to ensure that the appropriate staff are permitted to attend the H1N1 Mass Vaccination Workshop. So isn't that lovely? Uh, <clears throat> so I said I have so much, I have had so much to cover here. I'm getting close to the end though. Swine flu pandemic. Here's the next article. Swine flu pandemic is deliberately being spread and rapidly taking hold. The possibility of a massive fall vaccination campaign may be true. This is a news brief from MSNBC, July 13th, 
13 days ago, swine flu resembles the feared 1918 flu. The new H1N1 influenza bears a disturbing resemblance to the virus strain that caused the 1918 flu pandemic with a greater ability to infect the lungs than common seasonal flu viruses, reporters, reporters said on Monday. Tests in several animals confirmed other studies that have shown the new swine flu can spread beyond the upper respiratory tract, go deep into the lungs, making it more likely to cause pneumonia. People around the world remember their history books speak of terrifying terms of the hideous Spanish flu of 1918. Remember, that's what I keyed on in the avian flu presentation on the internet, on YouTube and Google. That's what I keyed on. That's why I tied everything into the 1918 Spanish flu, how the vaccines were what actually caused the actual outbreak. Easily verifiable. I give you many sources, and I'll give you another source here. The pandemic itself lasted from March 18th, or, sorry, March 1918 to June 1920, spreading even into the Arctic and remote Pacific Islands. It is estimated that anywhere from 50 to 100 million people were killed worldwide, or the approximate equivalent of one-third of the population of Europe. Uh, that's from Wikipedia, even amidst that. If citizens around the globe can be led to believe that the swine flu could erupt in 2009, which is equivalent to the Spanish flu, uncontrollable panic would erupt, governments would be forced, quote, forced, by panicking people to rush unproven and unworkable vaccines to the forefront. And I get into that in the presentation where I said that the people, because of the hysteria and all the disinformation and all the lies that have been fed to us, are going to be the very ones begging for the vaccine. Why should we be too surprised that the current swine flu resembles the 1918 Spanish flu? A couple of years ago, we reported on the disturbing fact that genetic scientists were digging up graves of people who died from the Spanish flu of 1918 for the express purpose of extracting genetic material which would allow them to recreate the horrific flu in their laboratories. I got into that on the presentation too. He's actually, uh, Cutting Edge actually sells my DVD that I did, and there's a little picture, it's called Avian Flu Killer of Millions by Dr. Scott Johnson. You can click on that, and if you do want to purchase it, you can do that. Um, but anyway... Let's see. And the, the article that that was talked about was lethal virus from the 1918 genetically reconstructed U.S. Army scientists create Spanish flu virus in laboratory. That was their article name. Therefore, the Illuminati has at, its, has at its disposal a flu virus just as deadly as Spanish flu of 1918, just as horrific in killing potential because of the 1918 virus was recreated. Well, it's probably a lot worse. It could be. I mean, look at all that we've come so far technologically since then. Who knows how bad it could be? Uh, world leaders rush toward forcing the entire populations to undergo massive vaccinations, supposedly to protect their citizens. It is exceedingly important to understand our history in 1918 a little bit better. This is from May of 8th of 2003. It's from the Irish Examiner. It's one of the slides I quoted in the presentation. Vaccine, not virus, responsible for the Spanish flu. U.S. Army records show that seven men dropped dead after being vaccinated. A report from the U.S. Secretary of War, Henry L. Stimson, not only verified three deaths, now this is in 1918, okay, not only verified the deaths, but also stated there had been 63 deaths and 28,585 cases of hepatitis as a direct result of the yellow fever vaccination during only six months in the war. But that was, that was only one of the 14 
to 25 shots given to the recruits. See, the military is where they test all this stuff. It's where it starts. It start. Uh, it started here at Fort Dix. It started in 1918 uh, at Fort Dix as well, and, and the uh, 60 Minutes report confirms that. Just kind of a coincidence. Recently vaccinated troop, and that's where the, the these outbreaks have always started, or at least the last two major ones that have received a lot of the press. In other words, these soldiers contracted the disease because they had taken the vaccination, but the army simply compounding its air, creating the monstrous Spanish flu. The army doctors knew all these cases of deadly disease and death were due to the vaccination and were honest enough to admit it in their medical reports. Now remember, I'm quoting from the Irish Examiner report, and, and they, these, these guys, these MDs were admitting this in their medical reports. But you don't see it anywhere in our news today, do you? When the army doctors tried to suppress the symptoms of the typhoid with a stronger vaccine, it caused a worse form of typhoid called paratyphoid. When they concocted an even stronger vaccine to suppress that one, they created an even worse disease, the Spanish flu, which is what killed all those millions. We need to remember our history when our government issues the edict that all of its citizenry needs to take one or two shots to, quote, protect them from swine flu. Finally, remember that my research in the Illuminati plan revealed that at the right moment in history, leaders plan to kill untold millions by deliberately tainted vaccines. These are the times in which we live. Next article. Canadian doctor says H1N1 vaccination is a eugenics weapon for mass extermination. Uh, from Kurt Nemo of InfoWars. This is from July 8th. Canadian doctor Ghislaine Lancott author of The Medical Mafia, I quoted that book, I've quoted this book before, it's excellent, has underscored the lawsuit recently filed by Australian journalist Jane Burgermeister against the WHO and the United Nations and several high-ranking government and corporate officials. Uh, Burgermeister has documented how an international corporate criminal syndicate plans to unleash a deadly flu virus and institute forced vaccination programs. She says, I am emerging from a long silence on the subjects of vaccination because I feel this time the stakes involved are huge. Consequences may spread much further than anticipated, writes Lancott, who believes the H1N1 virus will be used in a pandemic concocted and orchestrated by the WHO who, and international organizations that serve military, political, and industrial in- interests. Lancott warns that the elite and their minions will introduce a compulsory vaccination that will contain deadly viruses. Now, this is an MD, a former MD, as you'll see, because they they kicked her out of the whole MD fraternity once she came out with this a long time ago, but this is a former MD. Um, these vaccinations will be used specifically as eugenics weapons for massive and targeted reduction of world population. Moreover, a pandemic will be also used to further establish martial law and a police state uh, to activate concentration camps built to accommodate the, quote, rebellious and eventually transfer power from all nations to a single United Nations government and thus fulfill the sinister plans of the New World Order. In her book, The Medical Mafia, Lancott write about, writes about the ineffectiveness and the dangers of vaccination. Because of my, quoting, says, because of my professional status, my words weighed significantly in the public eye. The medical board's reaction was immediate and strong. Its leaders demanded that I resign as a physician. I answered that I would do so as long as they could prove that what I had written was false. The medical board replied with a call for my expulsion. 
In other words, don't confuse me with the facts my mind's made up. That's what they told her. She writes, as, quote, as I witnessed the disproportionate reaction of the medical board, I realized that for the health establishment, the subject of vaccination was taboo. Uh, unknowingly, I had opened a Pandora's box. I discovered that despite official claims, vaccines have nothing to do with public health, Underneath the governmental stamp of approval, they are deep military, political, and industrial interests. Again, you can go to the whole article and read it here. Last article, this was in San Francisco, San Francisco Chronicle. This was February 4th, 2008. But remember, this is the San Francisco Chronicle. We're talking the most liberal town in America, one of them. And they're writing this as a, in a matter-of-fact way, and it's called Rule by Fear or Rule by Law. And I'll give you the link to go to this if you don't believe it. And this is a quote, the power of the executive to cast a man into prison without formulating any charge known to law and particularly to deny him the judgment of his peers is the highest degree, is in the highest degree odious and is the foundation of all totalitarian government, whether it be Nazi or communist. That was by Winston Churchill, November 21st, 1943. Since 9-11, remember, the San Francisco Chronicle, not... You know, Infowars, not me, not Dr. Lancott, not somebody that's, this is, you know, regular newspaper, liberal. Uh, Since 9-11 and seemingly without notice, most Americans of federal government has assumed the authority to institute, the federal government has assumed the authority to institute martial law, arrest a wide swath of dissidents, citizens and non-citizens alike, and detain people without legal or constitutional recourse in the event of an emergency influx of immigrants in the United States and or to support rapid new developments of new programs. Beginning in 1999, the government entered into a series of single-bid contracts with Halliburton KBR, uh, the Halliburton subsidiary KBR, to build detention camps at undisclosed locations within the United States. The government also contracted with several companies to build thousands of rail cars, some reportedly equipped with shackles, ostensibly to transport the detainees. Now, this has been done. It's been out there. I've done a whole section of this in the avian flu presentation. You want to go see some pictures of the rail, one picture of the rail car, some of the uh, detention camps. I'm not the only one. I'm just one of the few that have that. According to a diplomat and author, Peter Dale Scott, KBR contract is part of Homeland Security Plan titled Endgame, which sets as a goal removal of all removable aliens and potential terrorists. So we would be considered that because we're not going along with the plan, a potential terrorist. And a Bible believer and somebody that's, that's uh, against the killing of babies or abortion, all of that puts you in their eyes as a terrorist. And the Bible says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter and light for dark and dark for light. That's what the Bible says. Woe unto them. And that's exactly what they're doing. And the Bible also says, The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Psalm 12, verse 8. Think about that. Wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Well, we've got the vilest man we've ever had as a president right now. He's being exalted. He's been exalted. So what, do you, what are you to expect to see in that environment? The wicked walking on every side and the wickedness increasing. Evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, according to 2 Timothy 3.13. 
Evil men and seducers are waxing. That word means to grow worse and worse. Deceiving you and they themselves are deceived. Because they think that they're serving Satan and they're going to rule and reign with Satan forever. The only thing, they're not going to rule and reign in nothing. They're going to be cast into hell and then into the lake of fire for all eternity. They have been deceived greatly. And not to say we shouldn't pray for them, that God would show them, okay? But it's just unbelievable. Fraud busters such such as, well, she's saying fraud buster, this newspaper. Representative Henry Waxman have complained about these contracts with Halliburton and KBR, saying that more taxpayer dollars should not go to taxpayer gouging Halliburton. But the real question is, what kind of new programs require the construction and refurbishment of detention facilities in nearly every state of the Union with the capacity to house perhaps millions of people? Section 1042 of the 2007 National Defense Authorization Act says, quote, use of armed force in major public emergencies gives the executive the power to invoke martial law. For the first time in more than a century, the president is now authorized to use military in response to a national disaster, a disease outbreak, terrorist attack, or any other condition, which the president determines that domestic violence has occurred to the extent that state officials cannot maintain public order. Now, again, if they implement this FEMA, UN, WHO, Homeland Security drills this week in those states that we talked about, well, this would be a great uh, excuse for the president to determine that there's enough domestic violence that has occurred where we can institute martial law. The Military Commissions Act of 2006 rammed through Congress uh, just before 2006 midterm elections allows for indefinite imprisonment of anyone who donates money to a charity that turns up on a list of terrorist organizations or who speaks out against the government policies. The law calls for secret trials for citizens and non-citizens alike. You know, if you're sending your money into some 501c3 and they're keeping the books on you and all that other stuff, oh, well, they may just turn, they may have to turn you, they won't have any choice. They're in league, they're part of this system, whether they want to admit it or not. They went to Caesar to get their 501c3 non-profit tax-exempt status and now they've got to turn over the books. Uh, again, I've done tons of studies on 501c, just came 501c3 in my search box on my homepage. In 2007, the White House quietly issued National Security Presidential Directive 5.1 to ensure continuity of government in the event that a, in the event of what the document vaguely calls catastrophic emergency, should the president determine that such an emergency has occurred, he and he alone is empowered to do whatever he deems necessary for, quote, continuity of government. This could include everything from canceling elections to suspending the Constitution to launching a nuclear attack. U.S. Representative Jane Harmon has come up with a new way to expand domestic war and terror. Her, quote, Violent Radicalization and Homegrown Terrorism Prevention Act, what's a catchy theme, of 2007, or H.R. 1955, which passed the House by a lopsided vote of 404 to 6, would set up a commission to examine and report upon the facts and causes of the so-called violent radicalization and extremist ideology like born-again Christians, I just threw that in, that make legislative recommendations on combating it. According to the commentary in Baltimore Sun, 
Representative Harmon and her colleagues from both sides of the aisle believe the country faces a native brain of terrorism that needs to needs a commission with sweeping investigative powers to combat it. Understand, all these people at the top are in it together. I don't care, they can say they're Democrat, Republican, or whatever. For the most part, they are all in this together. And when, when, when they're off camera, they all get together and they all have parties and they all commingle and they're all good buddies. And they all laugh about how the sheeple people are buying in to all of their garbage that they're shoving down their throats. Don't think I'm biased. You know, I don't want to give that impression. Sorry. Uh, as a clue to where Harmon's commission might be aiming is the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act, a law that labels those who engage sit-ins, civil disobedience, trespass, and or any other crime in the animal rights as terrorists. Other groups in the crosshairs um, could be pro-life gatherings, tax honesty movement, gatherings, immigration activists, environmentalists, peace demonstrators, second right supporters. The list goes on and on. According to author Naomi Wolf, the National Counterterrorism Center holds the names of roughly 775,000 terror suspects, with the number increasing 20,000 per month. What could be, what could the government be contemplating that leads to make that leads to, to make such contingency plans to detain people um, to de, to detain without recourse millions of its own citizens? So hopefully we've established what they're planning. The Constitution does not allow the executive to have unchecked power under any circumstances. The power must not be must not allow the president to use war and terrorism to rule by fear instead of rule by law. So anyway, that's straight from the San Francisco Chronicle, and that's our study for today. Um, hopefully, this is going to give you a good education. We need to pray for this situation. We need to pray for one another. We need to pray against this wickedness. And again, that's why I did that Psalm 64 presentation on imprecatory prayers. We need to meditate on the verses and speak the verses in faith and claim those verses in the second part of the teaching that I did today. Okay? Um, you know, we're, the Bible says, you know, and again, if you can even do it in a group setting with other true born-again Christians, that's even better. Um, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Jesus said that. The Bible talks about if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. That's in Psalm 91, where you're dealing with essentially evil people or evil entities. Um, we just need to believe that, that, that the, the Lord Jesus Christ is in control and on the throne and, and he's perfectly capable of protecting us in these situations. But we do want to educate other people if you see somebody in a burning building, you know, you want to warn them. And that's what this ministry is, is all about. So I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and time that you've given us. I thank you that you've let us come together another time. Um, Lord God, to put set forth these things. And I pray, God, that in the name of Jesus Christ, that truth has been spoken here. And I do believe that, Lord, and that I just pray, God, that we would we would be proactive regarding these things, proactive in prayer, uh, fasting, proactive with our faith in the name of Jesus Christ and educating others, whatever you're convicting the body of Christ to do. I just pray, God, that, that we're faithful with what you've called us to do. And um, I do pray, God, that you'd forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form as we forgive those who have sinned against us. I pray for your mercy, Lord, that we would be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming 
on this world and to stand before the Son of Man as you say to pray in your word. I just pray, God, that you'd help us, that you'd strengthen uh, the body of Christ, my listeners, those that are gathered here right now. I, I just pray for your strength, Lord, uh, for your wisdom, for your grace, for your humility. I pray for the fear of God to be upon us and upon uh, those that are around us and our families, our enemies, our unsafe family members, I do pray, God, that your convicting power be upon them and that that would drive them to repentance, Lord, that they would have their eyes opened, uh, that these people that are unbelieving regarding the Son of God, regarding the salvation He freely offers, regarding truth, regarding this information we promoted, uh, we put out today, Lord, I pray that their eyes be open, Lord, their ears be open, their hearts be open to receive truth, Lord. We love you, Lord. We praise you. Um, I ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.